Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of A Blessing and Divorce. And today, I want to talk to you about a subject that can feel heavy, but I think I've got some really good strategies for you today. I'm going to talk to you about emotional abuse. And I actually feel like I talk about that a lot, but not so specifically healing from emotional abuse, which is what I'm addressing today. I talk about it in roundabout ways through mindset and overcoming, you know, things that are hard uh, as we go through divorce and things that have happened in our past relationships. But still, I find women are, whenever I say, you know, what do you guys want to hear me talk about? It always comes up. So clearly, I haven't addressed it in the way that really hits home. So I'm hoping to do that today. Um, I sometimes wonder if the reason is because the way that I'm saying it maybe isn't hitting home. That's, of course, one uh, possibility. And also that I'm all about empowering you to be in charge of your own healing so that you can actually control the outcome of your life and not feel like everything is up to chance or in the hands of someone else. And I'm not sure that everybody is always ready to hear that. I'm not sure that everybody wants to feel like it's up to them to fix it, but they kind of want it to be fixed somehow. So if that's the case, this might not be the episode for you. This is very much about empowering you on your healing journey and giving you the tools that you need so that you can be in charge of this. Too often conversations around this are spent on talking about karma and that it's so unfair, whatever that might be, uh, unfairness of the courts. Um, And I hear all of that. I understand that there is a desire for a reckoning, for like an even making of like, this was done to me, so now this should happen. But it's not the way it always works. And the more we focus on um, that we're still disempowering ourselves. We're still allowing um, this other person to be in charge of how we feel. And I also know that the only way to heal is to find your way back to yourself and to heal within yourself. Um, Whatever does or does not happen to the other person has no real effect on your life unless you let it. And we want to move away from that here in this episode today. That in itself, like I said, is disempowering and exactly what enables the abuser to thrive. So today I'm going to share my journey with you, the one that I went on when I went through all of this, because yes, I also had to heal from an emotionally abusive relationship. It wasn't as bad as some and it wasn't as good as others, right? But I want to share my journey with you. That is what I've always endeavored to do. And today to be more helpful and to hopefully reach more of you, I have broken it down into 10 steps. Um, And there's several sub steps as well. So grab a pen and paper, uh, a journal or whatever, and join me and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Blessing in Divorce. I am so grateful to be allowed into your headset and day today. My name is Elizabeth and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner and founder of The Separation Club, which is the club you never wanted to be part of, but the best club to be in if you're going through separation and divorce. Here we talk about how to heal, move forward and find love if you're so inclined. Also, motherhood through divorce, finding yourself, and creating the life you deserve. Our tools are community, sisterhood, honesty, vulnerability, spirituality, and coaching, and that's when we aren't talking to our experts. I'm also a divorced mother of four adult sons, remarried, and a stepmom to three, so we will be talking about everything that goes with all of that here. 
If you are recently separated, thinking of separating, divorcing, or even beyond your divorce, but still feeling it, then this is the podcast for you. You know, hard times open our eyes and our hearts to to big questions and to new choices. And divorce is definitely one of those hard times and challenges force us to look at things differently. And emotional pain finds us asking for things like peace and healing and love and the absence of pain, right? And it is during, it's exactly during these difficult moments and events and times that we have the opportunity to discover ourselves, our inner callings, our values and our desires, and even to touch on like the greater meaning of life. It's, it's when something happens that makes us question everything that we can also find the really deep answers but we do have to ask the questions. Now, I'm not going to get into the humongous question of the meaning of life right now, but what what I will say is that I am eternally grateful for the self-discovery journey that I went on after my divorce. It was the questions that came up for me then. It was the things that I found myself asking about life that really changed everything. It changed me Um, Well, it brought me home. It's actually the way I always see it. It brought me home to myself again. But it changed my life. And it changed my life for the better. And and it opened up so many doors and opportunities that I would not have if that had not happened. Like sitting here and talking to you. I really don't think I'd be running this podcast and the separation club and the retreats I'm running if I was still in that marriage. I'm quite certain of it. And also, if I hadn't taken advantage of the moment to heal myself. And that's the journey that I'm going to share with you today. So you'll have to excuse me as I'm going to be looking at my notes, just like I'm guessing you will be making notes. So excuse me while I look down to do that. So when I came out of this marriage, I felt so lost. I was completely disconnected from my inner being and who I was and who I had been and who I wanted to be. I didn't even ask myself those kinds of questions. I just lived my life, took care of my kids, was there for my husband. And I really didn't ask myself if I was happy. I mean, certainly I felt unhappy at times, um, but I learned through the responses from my, my husband that I was asking the wrong questions that, of course, I should be happy. And what more could I possibly ask for? Right. And that's all part of the abusive pattern. And also when I'm as I'm going to be talking about healing from emotional abuse today, um, to be very honest with you, this healing journey that I'm going to be sharing with you is applicable to any kind of healing. And I'm not going to be specifically talking about emotional abuse. Um, If you are saying that you need to heal from emotional abuse, then you already know what that is. You already know what that feels like. So I don't need to go into the explanation of that to you in this episode. I believe I've covered it in previous episodes where I've talked about narcissistic abuse and things like that. But anyway, just to say, I won't be getting into the details of that. I'm going to be getting into the details of the healing journey, which is what we're here to do today. So getting divorced is not an experience I would wish on anyone, including myself. However, instead of viewing it only as an ending and something bad, I found so much peace and healing in seeing the possibilities that existed because of this massive life shift, right? So I've been asked to talk about healing from emotional abuse many times, as I said, and it's such an important topic and journey. Honestly, it, it needs to happen if anything good is going to come for you later. 
And I love talking about it, probably because it's so close to my heart and as that was my journey as well, right? But I think sometimes people don't hear that in my conversations and the episodes where I have addressed healing before because I don't call it healing from abuse. I call it self-discovery and it's like a self-discovery journey rather. And it's what I teach all the time in my courses. It's what I talk about in coaching. It is what I talk about every week inside the membership. It is what I talk about when we're sitting in beautiful locations of my retreats. It is always about this self-discovery journey back home. Um, And it's applicable to everyone. And if you have been in an emotionally abusive relationship, the healing journey is similar to someone who hasn't, but it's not exactly the same. And it is a tougher journey. And I am addressing it here specifically. In fact, if that is not the relationship you came out of, you might find that you either can skip some of the steps because you've already got that covered, or you might find that some of the steps very easy and quickly taken care of, again, for the same reason. But for those of you who have or are coming out of an emotionally abusive relationship, you might find, you know, each step is is work. And, and each step is, you'll realize how important each step is. When we are in any way disconnected from ourselves or our hearts and our souls, we're not emotionally well. We don't feel tuned into our hearts and many things in our lives feel out of whack. Being emotionally abused feels wrong because there's a constant daily assault on who we truly are in our core. We are being treated as something or someone lesser than, not good enough, not valued, loved and respected. And that goes against the very core of our being, our birthright to have a magnificent life. It feels so wrong because it's so out of alignment with who we're meant to be. We were born to be great, born to be loved, cherished and nourished through life, nourished by our parents at first, then ourselves, our friends, through experiences, learning and love, always love. At the very basis of everything, is love. But love can get us in trouble when we love the wrong person. And this person might then teach us that love is not kind and forgiving, but rather cruel and with conditions and expectations, expectations that perhaps we're never able to quite live up to. And this is not how we are supposed to live. And so we feel rejected, sad, anxious, angry, and all kinds of negative emotions. We remember being told we're worthy of love somewhere in our being from way back. But these experiences in this abusive relationship make us wonder if we did something to change our deserving of that. We question ourselves, we blame ourselves, we're told it's our fault, right? We're blamed for everything um, by the other person. Um, We're blamed by And not just by the other person, but sometimes by the entire, by society in a way, by the system, the system that reminds us that we're supposed to get along and we're supposed to tolerate and be, um, you know, people pleasers. Um, And we're told it's in effect, therefore, our fault by this sort of egoic, patriarchal system, by our partners, our parents, our coworkers, or whoever is being abusive towards you. And it's often supported by the people around them. So the way to heal, the way to truly heal is to remove yourself from the abuse, of course, and to reconnect with who you really are. Not necessarily in that order, because I know that's not always possible, but both of those do eventually need to happen. I want you to know that it is possible 
to start the healing journey and start the disconnecting from the abuse or the abuser or disempowering the abuser, if you will, while you're still with them. But it's tricky and you're going to get a lot of pushback. So ultimately, it would be really important to try to get away from this person. Um, this journey that I want to take you on today um, is a journey that I also went on. And I was forced into it. Um, this was not, I didn't choose like, okay, I need to start healing now. That was not the way mine went. And usually it isn't the way it goes. Yours might be much similar, much more similar to mine. I was forced into this journey in a way because there was an affair that triggered the end of our 20 year long marriage. Um, and this was a long marriage of that really had a lack of kindness. That's how I used to describe it. I didn't even know what like the terminology of emotional abuse or narcissism or anything like that when I was still married but I used to think of him as so unkind and that he must not really love me very much like that was sort of how I explained it I have learned since then that that the way he treated me was emotionally abusive and um, punishment emotional punishment withdrawal of love were his strategies um, and that is very feels very unkind let me tell you <laughs> So this doesn't mean that everything was bad. And and that's and I'm sure that's true for you as well if an affair was the end for you, whatever the ending was. There's always been good things. There's always been good memories. You might share children together. Of course, there's so much good memories around that. And that's what makes the ending so devastating. So we feel so heartbroken. And I certainly felt that at first. But it, thankfully, I guess, it didn't take me long to start also thinking, but do I want to fight my way back into this marriage? So when I say our marriage ended because of an affair, it really ended because I discovered the affair um, and I wasn't willing to put up with it anymore. He would have stayed. But that's a whole other story. But I, I guess I just want to explain that as you hear some of my um, way of addressing this, that that's my, my particular background. But I also want to say that the particular circumstances, the details of why your marriage is ending or has ended are actually not in themselves relevant. I'm just giving context. Okay. So as much as um, the affair was devastating to me, a lot of the reason that it was so devastating was because, of course, we'd had many good times, many good memories. And I truly still believe that this was a relationship I was going to be in until my, my dying day, that we were going to grow old together and have grandchildren together and do all of those things. I, Despite the, the unkindness and the abuse and all those things, I never really considered that I wouldn't be with him till the end. And then when the affair happened, I realized I wouldn't be, I couldn't be. I just didn't want to be there anymore. It was like, I can't put up with all that shit and heal from this affair, which by the way, it wasn't the first time, it was the second time. And I just, I knew the journey required of me to find that trust again, and I wasn't willing to do it again. So that's how my marriage ended. But like I said, that's just for context. So I, because of the affair and because of all the tolerating I've been doing, I felt a tremendous amount of anger um, about this and probably more because of what I had been tolerating for so long and like still he did this to me you know I felt very indignant I felt very put upon and yes I felt that I didn't deserve this right conversations with him after the discovery were very unsatisfying even though I know he wanted to stay um, because he was unable to really um, show me any real remorse I mean he's he he played you know he he said the words but I it wasn't in his actions and like I didn't feel it. I didn't feel that he was sorry. 
and not to mention he didn't stop seeing her. As time went on and I didn't let go of sort of being hurt about the affair, I was angry and hurt, like obviously, and I expressed that to him anytime we really talked about it. Um, he got frustrated by that, that I wasn't getting over it. And so the emotional abuse kind of returned. And in fact, it didn't just return. He really ramped it up to a level that I had never experienced before. He said things to me and treated me in a way that honestly was unknown to me. I had not experienced it to that level before. So in a way it helped me because it was so shocking to me. It was so cruel. Um, that it was easy for me to say that's enough. I'm done. I'm I'm out of here. Like I need to move forward. And so it was me that took the first steps towards, you know, the lawyer and, and getting the divorce started. Um, and it also helped me care a lot less about what had happened before uh, and what I was giving up um, or trying any kind of reconciliation. It was just like, nah, I'm done here. I need out. All that mattered to me was getting away and then finding a way forward for me, which I knew just somehow instinctively knew was inside me. I knew I had to find that journey forward inside me. So uh, again, today I want to share my journey of healing and finding true joy in my life uh, with you. I And that is where I ended up. And that wasn't even an expected feeling. I don't even think I knew if somebody had asked me then like, do you know what it's like to feel joy? I would have said, sure. I remember my, you know, day my children were born. And of course, those are very joyful days. But I had never really experienced creating true joy for myself just in the experience of life, just by enjoying moments and times with people, friends, family, um, a moment in the sun, moments by water, running a retreat. Like I've had so many incredible, so many incredible joyful moments and experiences since then and very much because I learned to find joy within myself so we're going to go on this journey together today um, I've tried to break it down into steps so that it makes sense to you and you can write them down and you can even put them as a to-do list if you want and you can refer back to it I want to help you and I I know that these are the steps that I went through. I don't ha didn't have them written down in this way at the time, but there was a time after uh, when I really reached my place of happiness again that I became very aware of the journey that I had gone on and I could remember all the steps. So I wrote them down and I still have them and here they are. And of course, they've developed a bit because of the last five years of doing this work here with you. So I'm really excited to share this with you and I'm, I'm hoping it'll be helpful. Like I said, um, grab some paper, your journal and a pen and let's start doing this because you are going to want to start taking notes. So I've broken this down into 10, po 10 points or 10 steps. And number one is to decide and declare to yourself that you're willing to do what it takes to heal from uh, and overcome this relationship. I'm not even going to say the abuse. I mean, of course, that's part of it. But the entire relationship needs to be or you need to be healed from your experience of it in its entirety. And the first step I want you to take is literally to declare that, yes, that is what I want. I want to heal. I want to move forward. I want to feel better and I want to create a beautiful life for myself. And I am literally asking you to say this out loud and or write it down on a piece of paper. Um, it's not an easy journey. There's a lot of things you have to do that are going to feel uncomfortable. None of them are impossible, by the way. It's all about 
a level of comfort with yourself and is learning to become more and more comfortable with this kind of work. But I find often the thing that's missing when people jump into certain, you know, oh, I'm going to journal or oh, I'm going to meditate or oh, I'm going to do this or that, which I'm going to be getting into all those things. But if the really strong desire and the really strong intention isn't there, the declaration of the commitment to yourself isn't there, then honestly, it's not going to work or it's going to take an awful long time and a lot of steps backwards. And, you know, so let's let's make that declaration. And if you're feeling like at all, like, well, I don't know, and I don't know if I have time and I don't know, you know, suddenly you might be you might be feeling a bit of a rush of but what ifs coming into your head. If you have children, I want to ask yourself this one question. If you had a child who'd gone through this and they needed these next, this is the first step, so these next nine steps for them to feel good, would you even hesitate to declare that you were willing to do that for them? All I'm asking is that you're willing to do for yourself what you're willing to do for the people that you love. Be one of the people that you love and do this for yourself. Make that commitment, make that declaration, make that decision right now that you are going to do this work. All right? That's number one. It's that simple. Number two, it's important to identify that this happened, that yes, you're coming out of an abusive relationship and in what way it was abusive. So this is where, you know, everyone's going to have a slightly different story, but it's about identifying the things that really hurt you, the abusive behavior specifically. And here I feel it's very important to make a, a distinction that is that matters. It's Watch yourself so that you're not just writing what he or she, the other person, the abusive person did to you. Like a long diatribe about like they did this and they did this and they said this and they did this. It doesn't matter. I want you to talk about when they did this, this is how I felt. Or when they did this, this is how my body reacted. This is how it made me feel. So identify that this happened Like, yes, I was in an emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, physically abusive relationship. That that is the way it was. That is what I have experienced. And this is what happened. You know, um, like for me, for example, this is what it would sound like for me. I was in an emotionally abusive relationship and the tool that was used was um, withdrawal of love. It was a punishment strategy. So if I didn't do or say the right things, or if I complained, that was more often that, if I complained about anything or asked for anything that he wasn't willing to give me, I was punished. I was punished in being told that just because you have complained, well, now I'm not going to do it, for example. That's just one example. But so by writing that down, I could just very specifically, there's the behavior, the punishment behavior, the withdrawal of love, the withdrawal of affection, the withdrawal of caring, the silent treatment for two days made me feel this and this and this. So just identify the behaviors like, you know, withdrawal of love made me feel this. Silent treatment for two days made me feel this. Without getting into all the details of who said, what said, like it doesn't matter anymore. I want you to get very clear on the effect it had on you, okay? And just a little side note, and you've heard me talk about this before if you've been listening to my podcast, pay attention 
as you're thinking about these things, you're going to feel some of the pain. It's going to come back to you. It's going to show up in your body. You're going to feel it in your body. When you're writing down how this affected you, these specific behaviors, what you felt, if you notice pain in your body or any kind of discomfort in your body as you're talking about it, I want you to write down where in your body. Um, these are attached to certain chakras and those chakras hold specific healing strategies, which I'm going to talk about another day. But I just want you, as you're doing this work, to discover where in which chakra your pain is held, because that'll really help you in various healing strategies that you can also use going forward. For me, even just talking about it with you now, mentioning these things, I feel it in my throat. My throat chakra is where I felt most of the pain of what happened in our relationship. And of course, my heart, the heart and throat are very closely connected. And of course, anything that has to do with a love relationship is going to be felt in the heart. But still, write it down. All right. So number two, I think we've covered it. Now, both this one and the next one that I'm going to talk about is a lot about learning. It's a lot about understanding. So an education, if you will, about your life and what things mean. And you can do a lot of this learning as well through books, podcasts, working with therapists and coaches. And if you're already saying to yourself, I can't afford that, then you're once again kind of admitting to yourself that you're powerless in this journey of healing. You know, you might be saying, I can't do all those things. I don't have time, whatever. People, you know, we love to lean on these kind of preconceived limitations that we have. We just, it feels safe. It feels easy to say, oh, that's all great, Elizabeth, but I can't do that. I don't have time for that. I can't afford that. I don't, I don't have the capacity, whatever it may be. Try something that feels a little easier, like I will find what I'm able to do, or I will find a way to do that now, add now to it. So you do it right away. Okay, this is about taking action. This you've you've already committed, you've declared, right? In number one. So now we're going to say, instead of saying, oh, I can't afford to do any of those things, or how about I'm gonna find a way to afford it? I'm going to find a way to get started. I'm going to find a way now. All right? So that's number two. Number three is identifying our role in tolerating and allowing the abuse and the abusive behavior. And I want to say it right away. No, it's not your fault. No, you didn't create an environment. You did not. You are not to blame for this person choosing to be abusive towards you. That was their choice. That is something within them that's broken, not you. But you tolerated it. I tolerated it. I put up with it. I excused it. I found my way. I found ways to work around it. I found ways to do things differently so that the abuse wouldn't happen. Um, so I had to take responsibility for my role. And that was probably the most valuable question that I asked myself early on in my healing journey. And that is the question I'm asking you now. What was your role? What do you need to take responsibility for? that you did or didn't do or tolerated or, or allowed that you will never again tolerate or allow. In order for it to be never again, in order for you to never end up in a relationship where this happens again, in order for you to break a pattern that might already exist in your life about the people you get involved with, you have to say to yourself, I allowed it though. I didn't ask for it. I didn't deserve it. And I sh this shouldn't have happened, but I did allow it. And these are the things I did 
to tolerate it. And this is how I survived and got through the day. And these are the things that I did to work around it. And I want to find all of those. I want to understand everything I did, all of the things that I'm responsible for, my choices to tolerate, to allow, to find ways to smooth things over. I want to understand all of that so I never do it again. Do you hear that? You're not to blame. You are not to blame. You did what you had to do with what was happening at the time. That's what I did. But I knew I never wanted to do that again. I never wanted to be in a situation where I had to do that again. And the only way to prevent that is to be honest with yourself and take responsibility for what part you played in enabling and allowing this person to treat you in the way that they did. As you're going through that, I also want you to recognize the incredible strength and courage you showed when needed. The resourcefulness that you had in getting through the day and managing to make things work. The resilience of continuing to push through and care for your kids and to to stay strong and stay focused on, on them, for example, and the caring of them and getting through the day and getting to work despite everything else that was going on in your life. So make sure you also recognize the skills that you showed that you can still use in your new life just in a different way, right? In a much more productive and constructive way instead of just in a survival kind of way, right? So once you've identified all those things, and I want you to write them down, like I take responsibility for tolerating, I take responsibility for allowing, I take responsibility for um, choosing to whatever, like just write that list. And this you can write on a separate piece of paper if you wanna do and then tear it up when you're done. But also, I want you to recognize all your strengths. That goes in your journal. Recognize all your strengths that I just talked about. And then immediately forgive yourself for doing all the things that you needed to do under the circumstances. Very simply, I forgive myself for allowing um, bad behavior. I forgive myself for tolerating being treated badly. I forgive myself for ignoring my own needs and prioritizing the needs of someone who was being abusive if I didn't. I forgive myself for, um, for you know, creating an environment that enabled the abuse in that I did not complain about it or whatever. Like just write the list and at the end, I forgive myself for all of this. I deserve love. I'm a beautiful human being, and so it is. Okay, I want you to write that down. This is what your journal is for. This is what, this is the work that we do. I want you to spend time on this. You might need to do it more than once. It's not that easy to forgive ourselves. We will get angry. You might forgive yourself. You do this exercise, and you might notice three weeks from now that you're like, oh, beating yourself up again about it. And it's like, no, I need to go back to number three. I need to go back to taking responsibility and forgiving myself. It's okay because you know what? When you take responsibility and that's when you realize that's that's how it worked for me. I was like, but I can change that. I don't have to tolerate that. I don't have to put up with that. I don't have to allow that. I can change that in myself. I am in control of me. My choices are mine and I'm going to choose differently next time. See that? It's empowering. Taking responsibility is not about self-blame. It is about empowerment. Okay, moving on. Number four. So here's when we get into a little bit of the daily work, the practices like journaling, 
meditating, and other mindfulness practices that bring peace and harmony to you, your body, your heart, your soul, even if it's just for 10-15 minutes a day. When we start a daily practice, we do this every day, and for the time that you're meditating and journaling, you feel good. You're taking care of yourself. You're focusing on things that matter. You're connecting with your soul. You're connecting with your dreams and your desires. It feels good. Maybe you do it for 20 minutes after a while. Maybe it starts to become half an hour. Maybe you end up doing it twice a day, morning and night. Who knows? But it means that every single day, there is a deliberate effort to work towards feeling good. That you make a deliberate decision to sit down in meditation because it feels good. That you choose to engage in pranayama or breath work because it makes you feel calm and centered. And so, in other words, you're saying to yourself, I love myself, I'm worthy of this, and I'm going to do these practices because they make me feel good. And they heal you. These practices heal you because you connect with yourself. When you're connected with yourself, you're centered with yourself, you're in alignment with yourself, you're not angry, you're not frustrated, you're not blaming yourself, you're calm, you're at peace, and you're loving yourself. And that is incredibly healing. So this is a huge part of a healing journey is to engage in these practices. Use this time to connect with who you are outside of and away from the abuse and that person and all those people who are combined, who are like in that experience. Recognize, recognize and celebrate that you are loving yourself by taking the time to do these things. See that there is peace and love away from this person. Seek to incorporate as much of this feeling and these kinds of practices as possible in your day. All right, number five, love yourself big time. Okay, and I wanna say right now, I am so proud of you for being here, for listening, and I love you big time. I think you're amazing. I think I am so proud of you for choosing to do this work. So let's just keep going, all right? So loving yourself big time means, again, we talk a lot about self-love, right? And what does that even mean? Well, it, it means doing things that feel good for you. Doing it just because it feels good for you, right? Asking yourself what the most loving thing you could do for yourself in this moment. That's what it is. So when you're having a rough time or something's happening or some, you're being asked to do something that doesn't feel good, you don't want to do it, Just stop, take a deep breath and ask yourself, put your hand on your heart and ask yourself, what would be the most loving thing that I can do for myself right now in this moment or about this decision? What would be the most loving thing that I could do for myself? It could be saying no. It could be saying yes to something. It could be asking for help. It could be taking a time out, but take that moment and ask yourself, what is the most loving thing that I can do in this moment? And I want you to know that doing the most loving thing for yourself is never selfish because when we act from a place of love, it is beneficial to everyone. Everyone that you love will benefit from you loving yourself. Okay. Another thing you can do to love yourself big time is to write a letter for yourself or to yourself rather. And this is something that's really great to do in your journal. And it can be a letter about many different things. You could write a letter um, about what it feels like to live in alignment with yourself. Like, for example, dear 
higher self. I love living in alignment with my higher inner being. I love feeling um, guided by love and peace. I love knowing that when I am, am with the people that I love, when I'm making big decisions, when I show up at work for a project, that I'm coming from a place of peace and harmony and balance and love and that all my interactions in life come from that place. For example, how does it feel to write something like that? How does it feel to hear me say that? It could be, I, you know, dear myself, I am going to start living a life where I truly love myself. For me, loving myself is when I exercise or when I eat well or when I sleep enough or when I spend time with people who who nourish me, for example. It's writing those kinds of letters to yourself. All right? So I want you to do that. I want you to start talking about in your journal, and you can read this out loud to yourself as well. I want you to really start a regular practice of having conversations with yourself in some form about the beautiful life that you can live when you're living in harmony with yourself and loving yourself. What does that mean for your life to love yourself every single day? How will it change? How will it feel different? What will it look like? Write about it in the present tense as though that is what's happening right now. The last sort of subsection of loving yourself big time is getting help. You might need help with that letter. You might need help just finding ways, time, um, things to do to, to love yourself. And it might even just be help with something completely different. Maybe you need to hire a cleaning lady. Maybe you need to ask a neighbor to take your kids to school for a while because you just find it really hard to get started in the morning. Whatever it is, loving yourself is asking for help. It's, it's reaching out to your village and saying, you know, hey, guys, I need some help and this is what I need. Be specific because the thing that happens when you say to people, I'm really struggling, I need some help, they don't know what to do for you. Be very specific. I'm really struggling and I need help with this. And let them help you. Just let them help you. One day, it'll be the other way around. It'll all work out. Just be grateful and let them help you. I can see now that this is going to be a longer episode, but this is such important work, so we don't mind, right? All right, so let's move forward. Number six, take the time to see the new world, meaning your current world, which is new because you're no longer in this marriage. So this current world with your new vision of yourself, okay? And what is possible. So based on the work that you did in number five, you're starting to realize that there's maybe different things that you want in life, that there are things that feel really good to you, that there are things that are maybe possibilities that are available to you. Take the time to see those things with this new vision of yourself and you will start to realize what is possible for you. Now that you are becoming more aware of how strong you are, how resilient you are, what it is that you want out of life, what you'd like your day to look like, you start to automatically see things that are more like possibilities, opportunities. They just show up. They would have shown up before as well, but you wouldn't have seen them because you weren't ready to receive those opportunities or possibilities or choices. But now you are. You are taking responsibility. You are um, committed to your healing journey. You are excited about your new life. Yeah, you might also be crying half the night because you're really sad about what happened or something awful is going on. 
But there's this part of you, there's this part of you that is starting to see and feel that there's something else available. And it's opening the door, it's opening your heart, it's opening your mind. And so when an opportunity comes knocking, a person comes into your life, you'll grab it. Don't let those things go. Become aware of the opportunities that are being presented to you. Somebody might say, hey, you know what? I'm going on this girls weekend and there's going to be a meditation specialist there. Do you want to come? And you might be thinking, oh, you know, I'm too tired or too exhausted or I'm too sad or I'm not going to be any fun. It's like, no, yes, I would love to come. And you just go, possibilities, meeting new people, all good things. I just made that example up right now. So it might not be a good one to you, but you'll, you know what I mean? You will know it when it happens. You will think to yourself, oh, I think that might be one of those moments or possibilities that Elizabeth was talking about, right? So, but in order for this to be possible, in order for us to see this, there are a couple of prerequisites where you might need some help and guidance. So first of all, in order for you to be able to see possibilities, it requires a hard focus forward and not backwards. And I think you know, divorce is one of those things where we spend more time getting pulled backwards and forwards. We're forever dipping into the past pain. When we tell our story, when we talk to our lawyers, when we talk to our friends, when you talk in the Facebook group, oh yeah, this happened to me. And then a long story about what happened. We go back to the story. You might meet a friend one day at a, at a function. You know, we're, when I record this, we're heading into the Christmas season. So there's social gatherings, people you haven't seen in a while. It's like, oh my God, I heard you're getting divorced. What happened? Now you're back in your story, which means you're also back in your pain. You need to get really hardcore, okay, about not doing that. You need to be able to say to people, you know what, we're at a party. Yes, you're right. I am getting divorced, but I'm moving forward with my life and I'm excited for what's ahead of me. You know, it's been really hard, but I'm moving forward. Don't get sucked back. If they ask you, tell me what happened. Tell me what happens. Like, you know what? I don't want to talk about it right now. Maybe one day, but not today. You're allowed to say that. You don't owe anyone an explanation. They don't deserve to hear the story. And watch yourself that you don't just love to get into the story because now you get to tell it again. Poor you. Look at what happened. What a horrible person he is. Now I have another ally, another person who's going to go, oh my God, you poor thing. I can't believe that happened. Try to let go of how good it feels to have someone know and feel bad for you and rather get excited about having people cheer you on and be the the possibilities and opportunities as you go forward, right? So there needs to be a hard focus forward. Choose to have a different identity from the abused wife or partner or husband or however you identify. Choose to not be the person who was abused, the person who was treated badly, the person who was cheated on, the person who, you know, so it's all again now, in the back. You are identifying as a person who has been put upon as opposed to a person who is moving forward. So that happened. We're not saying it didn't happen. We're not saying it didn't have a profound effect on you. But do you want to identify as the person that happened to or do you want to identify as the person who rose from it all and walked forward and created a whole new life for yourself? Exactly. I know what your answer is. You don't want to be a victim. It's very easy to be in that place and we don't realize we're in that place. Um, and this is where, honestly, 
getting help from an outsider like a, a coach or a um, therapist can be very important because they can help you identify those little those little shifts that have massive impact. Um, I spend a lot of time doing that with my clients and they call me the tough love coach, not because I'm unkind, by the way. I know I'm a little bit, um, sometimes I always feel I have to qualify it, but tough love in that I will say to you, you're spending too much time in the past. You're spending too much time talking about your ex. You're making it all about them, which means you're handing all your power to them. You cannot heal. You cannot create a new life for yourself and you cannot move forward when all you do is talk about what they did to you. That makes you a victim. So get help if you're stuck here. A lot of people get stuck here. In fact, we're all stuck there for a period of time. It's just if you're still stuck there and you don't want to be there and you're like listening to this and thinking, oh my God, I am so stuck there, then get some help. And by the way, I'm here to help you if you need that. Okay, that's what I do. So missing, you know, being stuck. Sorry, I got stuck there myself. Being stuck can look like many different things. Like I said, retelling the story, but it can also be that you're missing your ex and you're missing, you know, you're, you might even be feeling like, you, you know, maybe, well, I'm not talking about my ex all that much, but you might be thinking, I don't deserve to be loved or I'll never, ha- I'll never find love again. I'll never be happy again. I'll never get over my ex. I'll always love them. That's also being stuck in the past. So, so it can be, it can look and sound a little bit different than what I initially described. Either way, if you're feeling like you're stuck in the past and this moving forward business, this getting excited about your future business feels impossible, get some help. Okay, so that you can learn to change that inner narrative that the way you talk to yourself, the way you talk about your future, um, it'll make all the difference. All right, number seven, we're moving right along here. Number seven, identify who you want to be and what you want to do. So this is the fun part. This is like where you start writing lists. I want to do this. I want to have this. I want to experience this. I want you to think about this and your future dreams a lot. I want you to tell people about what you're planning and working towards. I want you to really dive into who you want to be. What does your, you know, what does this new life look like for you? And I want you to dream. I don't want you to just go with, well, my new life sucks because I have no money and I haven't moved yet or I live in a shitty apartment and I don't know what to do and my kids are really struggling. No, 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 no. That's not who you want to be. That is your transition phase, okay? There is a transition phase, but you're on your way to what? What do you want your life to look like? Who do you want to be as a person in that life? You have to identify it or you will never get there because you don't know what it is. So in order for us to work towards something, we have to identify as I am a strong, capable woman and I am a traveler. I'm an adventure seeker. I am someone who will be planning trips and going on trips with my family or my friends and my kids or just alone. You know, I'm someone who um, has a great career. I'm going to start a new business so I can stand on my own two feet and so I never again have to be dependent on some other person or whatever. Like start identifying who you are. Start telling people about your dreams. Join groups that have other people who think like you do. Join groups that share things in common, okay? Who, who are all focused on moving forward. Take courses with people who are doing that. Read books about people. Um, go on retreats. That's what we do. These retreats are truly transformational because there are so many hurdles that have to be overcome to go on a retreat. They're expensive. Um, I, I'm not gonna pretend they're not. So you have to overcome the whole Am I worthy of spending that kind of money on myself? 
Well, are you? Right? You're going to really tell me you're not worthy of that? Is my healing important enough to me that I'm willing to take that gigantic scary step? Traveling alone scares the crap out of me. I don't think I can do it. But how good would I feel if I did this, if I went on this adventure by myself? And by the way, in the safety of being part of another group of other women who are doing the same thing, how much healing is available to me? How much growth is available to me if I surround myself with other badass women who are doing the same shit that I am, who are healing from the same stuff that I am, who are doing it? How much would it benefit me to be part of something like that? That's how you ask yourself. That's how you make choices, not just dismissing it because oh, I don't have the kind of money, I can't do it. I don't know. Maybe you can't, but maybe you can. Maybe you can start saving now. Did you know I'm running a retreat in 2025? Are you telling me you can't put aside $100 a month for that? Come on. Of course you can. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just using that as an example, but it's a really good example. Um, make new friends. You want to live as a new person who runs a different life, who makes it about you and being empowered and strong and resilient and incredible and brilliant and shining and being everything you ever wanted to be. You need to surround yourself with people who are like you and who know you as that person. You need to be open to bringing new people into your life and making new friends. I'm not talking about new romantic partners. I am talking about friends, new BFFs. All right. Number eight, it's kind of tied to the one I just talked about. Stop spending time with people who keep you in the past and your past identity. So that's where things often go wrong. We make these plans. You take that course, you go to that retreat, you listen to this podcast, and then you go off to Christmas and you're with your family and they're toxic and they're asking you about the past and you spend the next three weeks talking about the past and you feel like crap, right? Spend time with people who, who, or stop rather spending time with people who keep you in the past. Now I realize you can't avoid your family completely. The holidays are coming or whatever. You always have to spend time with them, but you can redirect conversations like I discussed earlier. And generally you don't have to be the person you used to be with them. You can be different. They might even say like, what is with you? You're so different. You're so, they might even Make it sound negative because they're not used to it and they are uncomfortable with you being different. But different is not bad. Different is scary. That's all for them, by the way. You go and be you. You kick some ass. You show up as your, your true self. You shine. You talk. You dream. Say it out loud. Declare it. Commit to it. Be you. They will figure it out. And if they can't, well, then maybe they just weren't meant to be in your life a whole lot. Maybe they're just meant to be people you see every now and then, right? Okay, and again, get help with this if you can't figure it out on your own because it can be very difficult to, to distance yourself from people who have been in your life for a long time. Number nine, we're almost there, okay? We're almost there. Number nine, start celebrating every tiny and huge accomplishment along this journey. All the work that we're doing here, you're not doing all of this in one day. This is going to take time, obviously. You're gonna work through this list. You might do one thing, two things, number three, go back to one. You know, you're gonna go up and down, keep working on this list, keep doing the things that call to you, keep doing the things that feel really difficult because that's where the growth is. Keep doing the work. And as you're doing it, celebrate all the things like not crying every day, getting a new job, finding a new place to live, making a new friend, having a great day with your kids, not texting back, getting a good night's sleep, eating good food, 
exercising, meditating, only crying three times today, losing five pounds, gaining five pounds, going for a walk five days in a row, or maybe the fact that you went for a walk for the first time, you get my drift. Celebrate everything. Write it in your journal every single day. Write things like, I am grateful for, um, you know, that I got out, that I had the strength to make myself go for a walk today. I'm grateful for whatever. Like, just write it down. I'm proud of myself for doing this and this. I am so excited now that I have walked two days in a row. And then you don't walk. You don't beat yourself up about it. And then you walk again a week later and you go, I am so proud of myself that I'm back walking. It felt so good. You understand what I'm saying, but this is a super important thing to do. Because if you don't, if you're always just looking at the really big faraway goal then you will not be able to realize how much you're growing on the way. Every single win, every single accomplishment, every single step you take matters. You cannot get to the end without them. So stop and celebrate. Be grateful. Notice them. Be mindful of them. It'll make it grow. It'll make everything happen faster. Okay, this is so, so important. Do it all along the way. Okay, number 10. We're almost there, ladies. It's kind of like number one. And I felt that it was a good way to round this journey out, if you will. And number 10 is to decide right now what your first step is going to be. You can pick any of the things that I just said. You can pick two of them. You can decide to do a little bit of all of them. But just do something. What is your first step going to be? Maybe it's phoning that therapist or coach Maybe it's signing up for a membership. Maybe it's buying that book. Maybe it's phoning that friend. Just decide right now, what is your first step towards your self-discovery journey, your healing journey, your journey back home to you? What is your first step? What are you going to do? Decide and commit to it. Like I said, it could be joining our Rising Free membership where we do this work every week together. It could be hiring a coach or therapist. It could be going on an adventure to one of our retreats where we spend time discovering and loving ourselves every single day that we're there. Maybe it's something else, but decide now. You know, I said when I mentioned number 10 here that the last step could also be the first step. And it's one that you're going to take several times. You're going to come back to number 10 all the time. Right now, what is my step going to be? Right now, what am I going to do? You might get up on a Saturday morning, you don't have the kids, and you're going to say to yourself, I am committed to my healing today. That's what I'm doing today. What is it? What is this first step that I'm going to take today towards my healing and my journey home to myself? Always ask yourself that. Um, you will have to ask yourself over and over again. These steps that I've written out here or that I've shared with you today uh, are in the specific order, but not particularly for a reason. I did put them in that order on purpose because I feel it's a natural progress. However, I also know, as I said earlier, that there's going to be some back and forth, that there might be some that you skip and some that you do eight times before you move on. Um, Some that you never stop doing for the next two years. Every single day you do it, you know, the journaling, for example. Uh, And that's okay. You decide the ones that you need to do. I want to caution you that if you find yourself skipping one really listen to what you're saying to yourself when you do is it because it feels too hard is it because you feel you don't need it but maybe you actually do you're just kind of afraid of it just really listen to the inner objections the inner narrative around why you're skipping certain steps generally speaking we tend to skip things that feel hard 
And the ones that feel easy, we do because it makes us feel good. So do the easy ones. Feel good about it. Celebrate that you feel good about it. Tell yourself, look, I look at all the work I've done. Look at all the growth. Like this one feels really good. I've done healing already. Like I've done a lot of healing already. So really the message here is to make the decision to prioritize yourself, to love yourself, and to commit to your healing. That is absolutely required for any of this to work. And so I ask you, as I wrap up this podcast today, and before you leave me, by the way, before I say that, I also want you to know I'm going to be sharing some resources with you at the end of this. But before I do, I want to ask you this. What is your first step going to be? Are you willing and ready to decide to commit to yourself and this healing journey? Are you ready to come back home to yourself? Thank you for being here today. I know you are ready because you're still listening. And I'm so, so proud of you. I love you. I am here on this journey with you every step of the way. Okay, I'm here holding your hand. I'm here cheering for you. I am here waiting for you to finish the finish line. I am here to hear about all your successes because I do want to hear from you. So wishing you a truly beautiful rest of the day. Thank you for sticking with me through this long episode. And yeah, just all the best. Huge hugs, big blowy kisses. I'll see you next time. And before you completely tune out, I wanted to mention some resources that are available to you as we're, you know, doing this kind of work. First of all, I am extremely excited to tell you that I'm creating a journal that is specific to this journey. It's not available quite yet. I'm trying to get it ready for January 1st. I'm doing my best, but it might be a little later. We'll see. I am, this is my night and day project. I'm very excited about it. And it's going to be Exactly. It is a journal that supports this journey, this very specific steps that I have taken you through today. This journal supports that journey. It is a journal that you can have with you for a year and you can use it to do this kind of work. So I will, of course, let you know as soon as that's ready. In the meantime, we have a membership that also supports this journey. It is the, the cheapest way to get help, honestly. And I'm going to be very frank with you. It's not hundreds and thousands of dollars. I run courses that cost, you know, $2,000. I run retreats that cost between two and $3,000. And they're life-changing and it's incredible work. But I know it's not available to all of you. And I know a lot of you don't even know me yet. And you want to get to know me before you jump into those. Though, I will say, the links for all of those will be below. But I want to talk to you about the Rising Free Membership. It's $47 a month. If you were to join today, the day that you listen to this podcast, the $47 for the first month will have you on a call next week where we talk about moon energy, basically setting intentions on a very powerful new moon that's coming up. The Sagittarius new moon is also happening on the 12th day of the 12th month, which is an incredible portal for transformation. So if that's your kind of thing, and I'm speaking your language here, this is an, it's a beautiful way to connect with nature, to connect with the energies all around us and to allow ourselves to just be guided by, by basically a planet that pulls on 
every single tide we have on this earth that pulls on the waters inside our body and our emotions. It is directly connected to our emotions. So I want to really harness that energy and help you start looking at the kind of work, this work, that you want to do in 2024. And we're going to do that together on, on Tuesday. The next thing that's coming up is our winter solstice call, which is really just a beautiful Um, mindful meditative call where we get together and we honor endings we honor the fact that a year is ending that the darkest night of the year is happening which means the light is coming back coming back onto this earth coming back into our hearts and that we're already now turning our our gaze forward towards a brighter time so it's a really beautiful call where we just really like i said we meditate we journal and uh we really honor the season and then and on i forget the exact date as i'm sitting here talking to you but also during this month there will be a membership holiday call which we just have fun like we put on tacky sweaters and we get together and we have a glass of wine and we maybe play some games and we hang out and we just have a lot of fun together this is all of course on zoom um and then since it's already the what the 6th of december as this this episode comes out you will actually also be part of the first call in january when we really will look at what your intentions are for the new year. Like, what do you want to create for yourself? So again, back to the self-discovery work, back to this journey home to yourself and really helping you implement and create that life. Like we actually get into the work and we do it together. And it's so much better when we can ask questions of each other, we can get inspired by each other and we can share and say out loud our declaration and our commitment to ourselves. So. I would love for you to join us for these really, really important, transformational, beautiful calls coming up the next month. And you know what? If you join all those calls and you're like, you know what? This isn't for me. I don't like it. You cancel. It's not any worse than that. And by the way, these calls are also recorded so that you can listen to them later again and again, or if you happen to miss it. So I'm going to put the link for that below. But I would love to see you on those calls. Let's get this work started together. And uh, yeah, for $47, come on. That can't be so bad, right? That this is about you making that commitment to yourself. Anyhow, I wish you a truly beautiful rest of the day. And I will see you or talk to you again next week.